if you're requiring everyone to be in the office, then one, you can only recruit from a very small geography, which makes you have a very limited access to talent, which is not a good differentiator in this market when you can have access to amazing talent all over the place. Welcome to the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO and founder of JGA Recruitment, specialist HR recruiters. Tuning into the HR L&D podcast will help you to discover strategic growth concepts, leadership development strategies, and the values and behaviors that drive organizational change and success. Together, let's empower our workforces, diversify our thinking, and achieve significant HR success. Hello and welcome to the HR L&D podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO at JGA Recruitment Group, and we are specialist HR recruiters. Now, if you are new to the show, welcome. But if you are a seasoned listener, please do remember to subscribe to the show. Please share it with all of your HR colleagues. And together, we will all work hard to raise the profile of HR and learning and development for everyone globally. Now, today, I'm really excited to welcome Amy Sperling, an LGBTQ plus entrepreneur and founder and CEO of Compt, which is an HR software that enables companies to offer truly personalized employee perks that adapts the new world of work. That is the world of remote work, hybrid work, global workforces. And we're going to get right into the nitty gritty of employee perks during the course of today's show. But to give you a bit of an introduction to Amy, she possesses nearly 20 years of experience in leadership roles for venture-backed companies ranging from early startup phases through to high growth and ultimately exit. Now, she's someone that I would definitely consider an industry thought leader. Sometimes we use that term far too loosely. But in this instance, Amy has spoken at so many conferences and webinars globally from Fortune's Brainstorm Tech to the Society for Human Resource Management's annual expo that I'm really, really delighted to welcome her to today's show. She's also been published in top publications like Fortune, Insider, Bloomberg, Fast Company, the BBC, TechCrunch and more. And she was named Boston's 2016 CFO of the Year by Boston Business School. I should also add that her business, Compt, has also won its fair share of awards, including SHRM's top HR platform. So we're going to find out all about employee perks today because Amy believes that companies and employees can achieve so much more together when they are fully supported. I'd also like to add, I think you'll find out during the course of today's show, that she's super candid and really not afraid to tell it like it is. So without further ado, welcome Amy Sperling to the HR L&D podcast. How are you feeling today? Great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super, super stoked to get started. I'm going to start with my first question. I ask all of my guests, which is this, what do the words human resources mean to you? It's an evolving term for me. So I think part of it is the context within kind of the U.S. in particular. Some of the term actually harkens back to the way HR was managed previously uh, and seeing the new evolution. So I love the human part of it. That's really exciting to me to see where that's been more the focus rather than the resource part. So I think the the capital H, small r is really important. But just seeing how the world has adapted and recognized the importance of really thinking about your employees and your workforce. That's where I've seen that term shift. And that's really exciting to me. So looking more at the human side of things. Love that. That's got to be resonating with all of our listeners. I think we've seen the development from personnel management yes. to HR oh. to people now. Everyone, all the titles yes. are people-led. I've never heard it yep. said as a big H and, and small R. So 
from you, you mentioned the word evolution. I just want to land this a little bit more for the listeners. Tell me a little bit more about how you've seen that evolution change then from the world of personnel through to the world of people as we are now. Sure. So, I mean, it's interesting when you see the title people ops or people operations, a lot of times you're looking at, it's a very different profile of who is running that organization. So it's frequently somebody who's very data driven, who is very metrics and outcomes driven, who is very much focused on moving the business forward. Whereas a lot of times, not always, obviously, because this is an evolving term, but when you look at some organizations that have strictly HR, it can be kind of a harken back to that back room, back office approach. Where were you at two o'clock yesterday? Why weren't you at your desk? Like it's moving away from that. Now, I don't think all of HR leaders who have the title obviously behave or think like that. I think that's also obviously a big, huge evolution. But when you see people obviously it automatically moves to a different profile immediately. And that kind of ties in nicely with the business that you've got, right? Which is linking that the way that people like to be engaged, the way that the world has moved, particularly post-pandemic in the world of employee perks, they get the best out of their staff. Now, I know in my introduction, if those that didn't catch it, right, you're particularly accomplished, I'd consider you to be a thought leader. And I would argue that the best entrepreneurs that I've met on this show and in the world of recruitment that I work operate in, that actually the most successful are those that are genuinely passionate about what they're trying to deliver outside. And I imagine that must form some of the motivation and the inspiration behind the talks and the, the endless podcasts and publications that you've released. Before we jump into the world of employee perks, I wondered if you could just frame some of the, the things that you are passionate about, that you do talk about a lot and where that place comes from. Sure. Happy to. So I've I've spent my whole career basically in tech companies. So CFO, COO type roles. So first leadership role in, always working with a first-time founder, CEO, and so help building, growing, scaling companies. But I was managing both the financial side and the people side of the business in all of those companies. And there's six prior to starting this. I hadn't planned on being a founder. I'm not that person who was like, I need to start 16 tech companies and this is my (laughs) path. I never planned on doing that. Like what I'm super passionate about is figuring out how you can best support people. You can really accomplish amazing things as a company when you're doing the right things by your people. And I was really frustrated by the lack of tools and lack of ability to do that. Like most CFOs, the most common thing I said to my team was no. And so it's like, hey, can we get this new thing, whatever the new thing is, student loan repayment, childcare, whatever. My answer was always no, because the financial side of that wouldn't pan out. Anything you bring in, maybe 5% of the team uses it. I got frustrated. They got frustrated and was like, there's, there has to be a better way. Like they're making reasonable requests. How do we solve for that? So that's where like really, truly supporting individuals was really important. But then it's like that personalization for me branches into pay transparency, pay equality, looking at, you know, parental leave, um, I think is an absolutely huge thing that is incredibly important because that does allow for people to go back to work when they want to. And so like, I get really passionate and kind of an evangelist on those things. And, you know, this is a piece of that as well, obviously. Yeah, well, we listen. We need people that, uh, that 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 fight for change, right? That's how we it's how we evolve. That's how we improve things. So, what was the moment for you then that crystallized your thought process? You know what? I need to go. I need to launch something. We've launched comps, and what was the moment the way you you found that vision that led you to that inspiration and that and that venture? So there were a couple of things. One, I was literally like Googling for a solution in the employee perk space for about three years. And I was talking to other CFOs and, you know, HR leaders and saying, all right, am I, am I, am I losing it? Like, this is the problem I'm seeing. Everybody wants something different. Can't do that at scale. 
but you have to have employee perks, but none of this is working. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm losing my mind here. Uh, and I kept hearing the same feedback over and over from these folks, but all the solutions being pitched at me were being built at people who didn't understand HR and finance. So they weren't compliant with tax law. They weren't in compliance with employment law. They were just like, okay, these are not actually solving the problem. Like I yeah. need a thing. And then I turned 40 and was like, okay, like, I have a lot less of a inclination to just continue doing what we're doing. I was like, there's no reason why I can't go do this myself. I've raised money across all these other companies. I know what these CEOs have done. They were all first time founders and I've got 20 years experience on them at this point. Like, what am I waiting for? Because I need this solution to be able to scale my next company anyways, even if I'm just building it for myself. And uh, so amazing. that was kind of the, the moment where I was like, you know what, I'm going to go do the thing. Amazing. I didn't reference in the introduction. You've got a lot of experience in raising seed capital, haven't you, for tech startups and a, a real successful track record in in you know, making funds available for those tech startups to be very successful. So I guess you're able to utilize all of that expertise and that rare hybrid of skills, actually, of having right. accountancy skills and those people skills. That's a rare combination. Right. It's a very rare combination. And when we first started Compt, you know, not many... CFOs, former CFOs were founders at the time. And that was a hard one for a lot of VCs to, to think about because they think of CFOs, you know, traditionally, historically as being the, the accountants in the room. I'm not yeah. actually an accountant. I've got a finance background. And I was like, look, this is much more forward thinking than it is. How do we close the books? And, you know, where, where payables, like that's not it. It's if you don't manage your money and your people, you don't have a company, period, end of story. And sure. so there's a way to do that and just a much better way that that can support everyone. Amazing. So that led you to Comp, which, as I mentioned, is an employee perks company. You're helping companies to attract and retain employees, something I'm hugely passionate about talking about in the world of recruitment. I can't emphasize enough for those listening how important it is that you focus not just on the attraction, but the retention of existing employees as well. That talent walking out the door is very, very expensive to replace. I know because I charge a service for replacing it. So let's talk a little bit about the employee perks side of things. You know, sure. Have you seen industry change and what kind of things are Comp doing? Yeah, massive change. So, you know, historically, traditionally, and historically, like last 15 years, you know, companies started putting in perks because they recognized that this was a great way to differentiate between, yeah. you know, you got two tech companies, you got two financial services companies. You know, how are you going to say, hey, we do something a little different? Because salary and the US health insurance, you know, those are the big ticket items, but everybody's paying the same. Everybody's got that check the box health insurance. Like those are not differentiators. If you don't have those, you're never going to get the employees. But if you have them, you got to do something else. And so that's where you got this grab bag of stuff in every company. There's usually a wiki page that has discount on this thing. And we've got this perk and that perk. And people may see it their first week. And then they never look at it again. And they don't do it. And it's not a retention strategy, period. And so I was like, okay, well, that's a big fat waste of money. And I don't like wasting money. So how do we actually get these things to a place where employees can use them? And then you can really differentiate yourself as a company. Uh, so instead of 5% utilization, how do we get 100% utilization? How do we get everybody to do something that they want, but in a way that I'm comfortable with as a company? I want to focus on family or wellness or whatever the thing is. And yeah. so that's where we started seeing that shift. Through the pandemic, we saw you know an overnight shift as everyone went remote. Companies needed to do remote office setup. You can't drop ship a desk, the same desk, to every employee's house. It's a disaster. It's just not a functional thing. So you need to be able to empower employees to do that. Uh, you need to figure out how to support their wellness. 
wellness is totally different now. You know, you're not thinking in a, okay, well, it's only the gym. That's not wellness for most people. And so how do you support wellness, but allow employees to do it in a way that works for them, treating them like adults who can manage their own wellness journey instead of HR getting this unrealistic task of like, hey, not only are you supposed to figure out payroll and benefits and all the rest, you're supposed to be a wellness guidance counselor and teach everyone how to manage their wellness journey. It's ridiculous. And so this allows people to do that on their own. And that's something we've seen a massive shift. So post pandemic, I don't want to keep talking about the pandemic. It's still kind of having its after effect, right? But we've had the great resignation now. And that's impacted globally, not just the UK, but the US as well. We've we've kind of rephrased it in the way that we do things as the great awakening. But it was an opportunity for candidates and employees to go, hold on, is this really where I want to be? Is this really giving me what I need? And if I don't, I'll go to a company that is giving me what I need, whether that's unlimited holiday, better parental leave, better insurance, whatever that might be. But the companies now have to be more bespoke and have to listen. I think we're still seeing as recruiters, some companies will say, well, we do this perk without actually asking if the employees want it. They think they're a great business, but they haven't actually had that check-in process to know. And as you say, utilization is at 5%. So have you seen some of the perks change in the new world of work in inverted commas for those that are working remotely, for those that are no longer always office bound? Have Have you seen companies shift? Well, the the shift is that, you know, as a company, if you're bringing these perks in, whether it's a mental health app or childcare, like there's lots of really amazing perks. You still have that low utilization. You had it before. It's not better now because you don't even have a central place where people could be using it. So the shift is to that bespoke model where you're like, look, it's more of a recognition of the things that weren't working before. And now there's no way for them to work. So I'll give you an example. You know, we've got over 91% utilization for three years in a row on our platform. So normal perks is 5%. Ours is off the charts the other direction. To do that, we were like, okay, what would that marketplace look like? Because people are using all kinds of things and we have, we're not a marketplace. There's no vendors on our app by design. So we looked at 8,700 people last year and said, 8,700 people, 12 months, how many different unique vendors could you possibly use? Because that's what gets you that high utilization. Guess how many different vendors they used in that time period? I wouldn't even know where to start with a guess. I generally wouldn't know where to start. I, was, I imagine the number's going to be less than I think. Yeah, the number was 27,000. Okay, no, it's going to be greater than I think. Okay, okay. On average, every single person used three unique vendors. That's wow. what personalization looks like. There is no marketplace you can build to solve for that. Everyone wants to do something different. And if you really want to support those outcomes and those metrics and make sure you're reaching everyone, you got to stop saying, hey, we've got a gem reimbursement at Planet Fitness. That's not going to work in the UK. Like it it may work in places in the US. You get like country border stuff. My gym's LA Fitness doesn't work for me, right? Right, exactly. Like it's like, or it's a gym in one part of a town and you're in another part of a town. Like it just doesn't work. And so when you remove that, there's a couple of cool things that happen. One, you get great utilization. Everybody's doing things for wellness. You know, people are really engaging with it. They are, you know, doing things to keep themselves and their families happy and healthy and all the good things. But you also see all those dollars that these companies are putting towards wellness are going into local communities. So instead of making Amazon their next trillion dollars, you are then empowering these employees to use it for local trainers, local yoga studios, you know, maybe like local providers. So all those funds go back into the communities where your people live. So you're building this amazing virtuous cycle versus all those dollars being shipped to a company that may or may not even be in your country. 
So to go a little bit deeper into that, to make sure that our listeners and, and myself, to be fair, have a, have a strong understanding of how you've managed sure. to reduce that utilization from 27,000 variables, which is a massive number, into something where you're still able to provide a bespoke community um, ecosystem of, of benefits that, that, that benefit the community, but also benefit the employee. But how do you manage for that change in option, shall we say, from 27,000 right. and still make it effective? Well, so it's it's easy because you're not changing employee buying behavior. I'm not saying, hey, here's a list of things you need to remember when you go to the store that here are the three things that are covered and maybe there's a car that you could use it for and you got to remember to pull it out of your wallet. You don't have to do that. As an employee, it's like, hey, we support your wellness. You go about your daily life. You do things that you were all probably already going to do for your wellness, but now your company can support you. And because it's a reimbursement model and there's no vendors, you get paid through payroll. And it's super easy. And nice. so you don't have to change your behavior as an employee at all, which makes it so much easier to actually reach employees where they're at and let them do things that matter to them. Amazing. I mean, 91% utilization is fantastic. And interestingly, companies don't always realize it, but actually by giving the wrong benefit, you could actually disenfranchise an employee. Totally. They go, that's not what I wanted. Totally. I don't want them investing in it. Now I'm angry. You know, the company yep. thinks they've exactly done a good right. thing. Why is my compensation going for something I can't even use? Like Absolutely. this is, this is useless for me. And so, and they're naturally exclusionary, right? So say you bring in five perks and you bring in pet insurance and you bring in childcare and you bring in student loan repayment. Let's say it's three, make it easy. What if you don't have any of those things? Yeah. What if you don't, like, what if you're living in a country where you don't need student loan repayment? What if you don't have a pet? What if you don't have kids yet? Now, the only perks that are available are things you can't use, and that's your money. Like, you should have access to your own compensation, but be able to direct it in a way that matters to you. Nice. So how so how does the platform work then? I'm, a, I'm an employer. I'm going, actually, this, sound, this sounds great. Right? I want my I want my 1% utilization. I want my companies yeah. to be able to, my employees to pick what works for them and, and, and get that reimbursed. And I want to impact our local community. This is all good, 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 good. What's the yep. process of onboarding? How do we go about implementing this kind of this, this kind of system? Sure. So I have a lot of battle scars from implementing HR software in my prior companies. It's usually like a multi-month thing and you're trying to get engineering help, but your engineers don't want to help you. And the software never connects the way it's supposed to. So we, from the very beginning, I was like, look, this cannot make HR's life more difficult because I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to implement that stuff. Yeah. And so onboarding is usually two 30 minute calls, you know, and it's just talking to the HR leaders. What do you want your program to look like? What outcomes are you trying to drive? And then we do all the work, but it's honestly, the, the platform's already designed to where it's like, plug in some things and you're done. Like it's, what do you want to call your stipend? What type of categories do you want for your team? And you check a box and that's it. So very fast, very simple for HR to launch. The biggest piece is we work with the HR leaders to be like, okay, what outcomes are you trying to drive? Are you trying to attract people? Are you trying to retain people? Is it you a company that like, what are you like about culturally? Is it focusing on family or wellness or just in general, we need to support people. And then we help them based on our data to say, Hey, based on your budget, which can be big, small, we don't care. Here's what we're seeing work really well within that. So you don't have to have a big budget to get great engagement. That's what's amazing. It's all about how you structure it for the team. So small budgets can do amazing, amazing, powerful things within a team. Sure. So from, from your perspective, obviously, you've got access to lots of data from, from, from mm-hmm. this. You've mentioned areas that I'm passionate about, retention, attraction being two, uh, wellness and, and other things. Are there any case studies or any statistics that you've got to hand that I guess, reinforce this idea of, of, of personalized perks having this kind of, I know it's going to have a good impact, but that actually reinforced that, that argument. 
Sure. I mean, so there, there's a couple of things. You can look at industry outliers. Um, so one that I think is really interesting is in the deskless space. So you actually look at coffee shops. So you look at, in the U.S., we've got, you know, like the Dunkin' Donuts and some of the local coffee shops. You typically see employee turnover in those places to be 200 to 400% per location per year. Yeah. Absolutely staggering, staggering turnover. If people are staying three months, you're happy, which is... Sure abysmal. And then you look at Starbucks, which has about 75% retention. And you look at the difference, same salaries, same location, same job functionally, but one has perks and benefits and one does not. And you can see this happening in these outlier spaces, you know, in public companies playing out where when somebody is supporting employees, your turnover is less. If you're not, and you're just banking on salary to do the work, it's not going to. So there was just an article out I think it was about a week ago, about Amazon and they're in absolutely massive turnover. Their absolutely staggering cost of that turnover is getting close to, you know, more digits than I can, you know, put commas on. And they are very much of the, we're going to pay you a high salary and that's it. They're very bare bones. That's part of their culture and whatever. It's not working. And you look at that across different industries and see where you've just got really above average attrition across employees. And then you look at places that leverage perks as a way to better support their team and you can see the difference. And so the question to me is not, how do you prove perks work? It's more of, do you have an attraction problem or a retention problem? If not start a podcast and teach us all please, because everyone has (laughs) this problem. And then if you do, then what are you going to do to differentiate? Are you going to try and go with high salaries? Maybe that'll work. Probably not. It's going to get real expensive really fast. Are you going to try and pull in employee perks to differentiate and try and support? Maybe, you know, you've got moms leaving. Maybe you've got dads leaving. Maybe you've got, you're struggling to get the younger generation, whatever it is. Are you going to try and do that? Okay. But how do you get the best utilization off of that? So it's this decision tree that walks you into, if you have a problem, you got to do something different. If you're going to do something different, how do you get the best utilization possible? Because that's the differentiator. Because if nobody's using your strategy, you may as well not have one. Sure. No, you put that really well. So if I'm an HR professional, I've got comps, I've got another employee perks platform, whatever it might be. Are you able to draw from the data from your own business to see if there are any trends in the analysis, trends in whether it is, I don't know, parental leave entitlement benefits that people are taking, or or are you able to use that data? Because you can use that then Mm -hmm. to support other organizational objectives, which are more broader reaching than just the employee perks piece. Or is, is that accessible for people? Have you ever asked yourself... How can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. We're very sensitive to what data we collect and any data we collect, we make sure that companies also have access to it because we want to take as little data as possible. We're all really tired of tech companies scraping all of our backgrounds and then using it for nefarious things. 
We don't like that. Uh, and But any data that a company is putting in there, usually it's things like department or location. You know, Then you can start looking at, okay, maybe your engineering team in this country versus that country is better retained. And you can start lining that up with like, okay, but how are people using their perks? Are they using them? Is there something that's happening that's an aberration in this company? And then you can dig in there. You can also, I mean, that could be one indicator, obviously, managers whether or not you've got a good manager in a location, obviously is a big factor of whether yeah, or not an employee yeah. is retained. Like I would not say employee perks are like this magic button where you put them in and suddenly retention is the hundred percent and you're amazing. Like that's, that's not reality. No. Like a lot of questions like, come with that, Steve, which I'll be interested to get your response on in right. a moment. Like it's, I mean, obviously we believe in what we're doing, but it's, it's a multivariable thing and what keeps an employee happy and retained. This is just a piece of that. If you've got some of those other things lined up, you're paying competitively, you've got decent managers, yeah. like yeah. a lot of other companies do too. I was thinking on base thing. I'm going to take it right down to a very base level. It's only what I can think of off the top of my head. So apologies for the level of uh, of example I'm going to give. But you mentioned the pet benefits earlier. I was thinking if I had like 91%, and I've used that number because you used it earlier, in my department, all, all, we're all using pet insurance benefits. That would say to me as a manager, you know what? Bring a pet to work day might be something that really encourages Exactly people. right. That's kind yeah. of where I was going because you can use that yeah. for different things. And that builds exactly on that wellness right. piece as well, which is great. Just, just, just focusing a little bit on what you mentioned there about look, employee perks is not the the be all and end all of employee satisfaction at work, which we sure. know, right? Right. Where, what kind of, if you had a pie chart in front of you and you're looking at salary as one element, uh, management uh, support being another, or a bad manager or the yep. relationship with the manager, uh, succession planning being another, there's a chance for progression in the business and employee perks. There are others, but if I focus on what I would think probably the main four, what what kind of percentage would it have, do you think, on that pie chart? Was that just too complex to... to I think you're missing a big one, flexibility. Schedule okay. flexibility. I think I'd probably build absolutely. that into perks, but yeah, no, that's fine. No, I would, I would look at those because schedule flexibility, it's not like a, a perk from a, I'm going to go and purchase okay, something. Sure, sure. So I think flexibility, honestly, I think it's salary. You've got to hit the, like the table stakes thing. You've got to be able to be paying market salary and you've got to, and depending on which country you're in, you've got to have health insurance. So if you're in the U S you have to be offering health insurance. If you're, you know, a desk worker, Outside of that, then it's the combination. Flexibility is huge. Being able to control where you work and when you work. If you're requiring everyone to be in the office, then one, you can only recruit from a very small geography, which makes you have a very limited access to talent, which is not a good differentiator in this market when you can have access to amazing talent all over the place. So I think flexibility is the next one kind of in that stack. If you have those things locked down, that's great but other companies do as well. I think employee perks comes in like succession planning, L&D, like they're all part of it, but those also fit into employee perks. So we see companies doing L&D stipends through our platform. So instead of saying, hey, you know, we do tuition reimbursement for your graduate degree, which is going to impact a very tiny piece of your team. Maybe they don't need a graduate degree for their job. Maybe they're later in their career. Maybe they think maybe they already have it. Everyone still wants to be learning though. And so by allowing them to direct that in a way that helps every single person have continuous learning, but in a way that matters for them and their job, maybe it's, you know, paying for a podcast subscription, maybe it's books, maybe it's seminars, whatever it is, you're still giving employees the choice and control. So it kind of, it kind of encompasses all of that. So it's a huge, huge piece of that stack when you're trying to differentiate and support, you know, a, a team equitably. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you're absolutely right with the flexibility. I'm probably angry with myself for, for, for trying to put it into perks. It shouldn't be a perk. This yeah. is the new it world should, we live in. Yeah, it's but, the way we work now. Like, it, yeah. if you're not going to be flexible with your team, you're not going to have a team. And I think plenty of big companies who have laid down the hammer and will be in the <laughs> office are sitting there going, wow, it's really empty in here. And yeah. everybody quit. <laughs> like, yeah, and it, well, I mean, recruitment terms, the best thing we've seen, well, I say yeah. best thing, it's the long, long term, but you've seen employees losing staff for not giving flexibility or perks yep. or salary yep. but when yep. they need to rehire they suddenly offer all those things and you oh, know it's what? amazing if, right if you just done it a bit earlier you wouldn't need yeah. to be in a position you wouldn't have now. to i mean to your point at the very beginning like retention is so key you've invested in these people you've hired amazing people like you've put them through a whole process and you've done all this work like it's it's interesting in the u.s you see a drop off in the legal profession. We pay very high salaries, no perks. And it's one of those industries that does that. But at year three, you see a huge drop off in turnover. And then year seven, as they're working the partner track, people start having children, can't make yeah. partner, all these issues, right? That's a million dollar investment in every single lawyer. And if a million dollars is walking out of your organization, like that's just that's bananas to me. Why would you do that? Why would you just change your process so that you can keep these amazingly talented people when you've invested the equivalent of a million dollars into them? That's just like it's it's a no brainer to me. This yeah. is a small dollar investment to be able to help with that. But also, it's it's it actually pays more dividends than that because if you're fully invested in your business, you perform. Yeah better you know we know that That's performance exactly right. is linked to values it's linked to purpose it's linked to how Absolutely. you feel so it's not yep. just about keeping it because you don't want to lose them it's about if you totally. treat them well you'll get you'll maximize the potential of that employee That's exactly growth. right so what, yeah, what if exactly what if right. companies say that they they can't afford stipends that they want to pay higher wages i don't really see it this has always worked for me you know it's a model we've has it though has it like like <laughs> let's look at those retention numbers let's look at those attraction numbers if it has i'll be the first to say Great. Keep doing what you're doing. If you don't have turnover and you're happy and you don't need to add a bunch of people, maybe you don't need stipends. That's okay. Like you're doing something that works for your organization. That's not most companies, yeah. but there are some that are. And I'll be the first to walk back out the door and be like, do what you're doing. Don't throw a monkey wrench into this. Like don't, don't rock the boat. If people are happy and you're doing the right things for most though, you've got to find a way to differentiate because so many companies weren't remote or hybrid and now they're trying to figure that out or trying to structure like, how am I going to support my team? And it doesn't have to take a lot of money. I mean, you could do 50 bucks a quarter. So 50 us dollars, which is, I mean, I don't know what the dollar to the pound is right now, but Not less. At the moment. <laughs> like, yeah, we're getting a little, we're getting a little close to one-to-one -one with Europe, which is a yeah. little unusual for us, but you can do it for small dollar amounts where, People can still have that choice and control. And it's that feeling that you have autonomy as an employee that really changes that dynamic. This is not your company treating you like a child and saying, this is what we think you need here. We have gifted you with a thing. It's we want to support you and your life goals, but you're an adult. Go take care of what you need to take care of. We're here to support it. And so cool. it changes that dynamic in such a powerful way. So you can get amazing utilization off of relatively small amounts of money. It shouldn't be. I'll reference that. And probably it isn't for those that listen to this show because they're coming from, you'd like to think they're coming from HR backgrounds, potentially sure. reward backgrounds, conversation balance payroll. But there are a lot of misconceptions in the world of reward. I still see reward yeah. as a relatively immature industry. You know, people mm -hmm. falling into reward from payroll or from HR or from yep. benefit. 
but it's still finding its feet in terms of what that really is. So what are right. some of the um, common misconceptions or myths or things that you regularly hear working in this space as a, both as a tech leader, as an entrepreneur, and also as someone who's delivering these services that perhaps yeah. we can either debunk or or just correct for people or, or enlighten them a little bit? Sure. So I think there's two. So one is why wouldn't I just put it in their paycheck? Then they can use it for anything. Then they already have the ability to use it for anything anywhere. And my, my answer to that is like, when was the last time you looked at your pay stub? Nobody does. It's digital. No one's seeing it. And if you put that in an employee's paycheck, it's going directly into their bank account and then they're paying bills and they literally have no idea you did anything. You lit that money on fire, but come time for their annual review, they will look at their pay stubs, see what their new salary is and say, okay, give me a raise on top of this. So you're creating a compounding problem and they're not actually thinking about it as they're getting, like they, maybe they're using it towards the rent or whatever, but they're not doing it in a way that is then reminding them of how you're supporting them. So it's, you basically lit money on fire, which is not a good plan. Uh, and so we find that that doesn't work. Google actually did a study on their own team. This was probably seven, eight years ago now and published it. Um, Laszlo Bach published it in uh, his book, Work Rules, where they A-B tested this. Everybody, myself included, if you said, hey, do you want perks or do you want more cash in your paycheck? Myself included, I would say, give me more cash. But that's not what's going to actually retain employees. And so they tested this, gave one group a little bit more cash, gave one group perks, the group that got perks, far more retained than the people who just got a little bit more cash. So it's interesting to see, even though, and again, I would say more cash too, because why wouldn't you just say more cash? Uh, but it doesn't change the behavior in the way that you need to change it. And so that's a big one. The other one I would say is, but if I give my employees the choice to determine what happens with wellness, what if they buy cigarettes? What if they buy alcohol? What if they do things I don't want them to do? And what's amazing is that when you treat people like adults, they act like adults. I've literally in almost five years now, never seen anyone do that. And everybody's got that same choice and control. When you take all those rules, which no one can get through the list of rules that some companies put out there, when you just say, hey, we support your wellness, people are like, oh, okay, what do I do for my wellness? And it's usually things that we're all comfortable with anyways, yoga, the gym, running yeah. shoes, like people understand what the words mean and they don't want to get fired over 50 pounds a quarter. Nobody wants to get fired for trying to defraud their company over a relatively small amount of money. So they're going to use it in a way that actually matters and supports them. So you know, assuming employees are going to have really horrible behavior is not a p behavior pattern we've seen. Yeah, I think you've touched upon loads of things that are resonating for me anyway in the world that I see it. There's something that's quite interesting. I, I'm not an expert in the world of neurological science. I'm not going to profess to be, but there is a lot of science out there that says when it comes to reward and recognition, like money, you get a big, you know, endorphin rush. Great. But actually, it's really, really short lived. You live within your means very quickly. You love yep. it for 24 hours. It's forgotten. It's spent in your head anyway. So yep. that's already gone. Yep. But there's a benefit like, so if I give an example within my, our own business, we were talking about this recently, like we could give, for example, a benefit that's worth X. And let's say that X, that X benefit was the equivalent price of a year's gym membership or a year's right. golf membership, whatever. Right. When you have that golf membership for the same value, they may have spent the money on that anyway, but every time they go back to that golf club or that gym, they're reminded that that's paid for by their work. And that's a good feeling exactly that right. repeats over and over again. Exactly that right. rush may not be as high at the first instant, but it maintains for so much longer. It and I, really does. 
And also, we've talked about the retention piece. You don't want to leave your company because you lose that gym membership. I've got to say at least yep. till the end of the year because otherwise I lose that benefit, whereas the money yep. is already spent. So I think you raised an That's absolutely exactly fantastic, right. fantastic point, point in relation to the fact that we all think we want money, but as soon right. as you've got it, you spend it in your mind before you've well, actually physically spent it as well. Exactly. Well, you also see an interesting dynamic as well in people who are sharing finances with a partner. So if this money is going into your bank account, say a company Good just point. tops you off, suddenly it's going towards you know a college savings account or rent or utilities, or it's going to some sort of shared family benefit. If you went and said, like, say you're trying to save for a family vacation. And so it's going into a special fund. Uh, and you were like out of sight, out of mind. And you were like, you know what, this month, instead of saving for that, I'm going to go get a massage instead. Good luck with that fight. Yeah. That's not going to end well for you. And you're only going to feel guilty the entire it, time you're on the massage. It's going to be right? terrible. But if your company is saying this is for your wellness, you suddenly have permission to do things for yourself and your own wellness, or even if it's extended to your family, but in a way that is then going to support an outcome that the company needs. Companies need people to be healthy. That, that you have to have that. If your team is not healthy, then you're going to have absenteeism. You're not you're going to lose productivity, yeah. all the things. But if you carve that out and that is now special and has to be used for that, employees have permission to do all kinds of things that otherwise they may be thinking, shoot, I should save this money towards whatever the thing is. And so it changes that dynamic within households as well. It's a really, really good point. I know that if it went into a joint account, it's not always your choice and how it's spent, even though it's you that's earned it, right? So that Definitely you're absolutely right on that choice. I think also it creates stories and stories is what life's about, memories. If right. you're going to yoga, that you you know, it's a choice of going to yoga or not. Yoga's paid for, it's free as an example. And you start doing right. that. We know it builds endorphins. It builds wellness in many ways. Exercise has huge impacts on social well-being right. and all the other bits and pieces that go with it. But it also creates network. It creates community. It's so exactly. many layered impacts. So many amazing layered impacts. I mean, just think about like the world of coaching. Like, I think it's fantastic to see how many people are leveraging coaching. It's not just for the C-suite and the executives where they get, you know, their business coach. It's going all the way through an organization. It's really hard to carve out that money if you're in your 20s and 30s and trying to figure out, am I going to buy a house? Are we having kids yeah. saving for things? It's hard to also invest in your career in that way. Whereas if a company is setting aside an L&D stipend where you could use it for that, you can suddenly then have that permission to also invest in your own career in a way that you may not think would be possible otherwise. And so it's driving that behavior and outcome that a company needs, but really investing in employees in a way that putting it on their paycheck and having them pay, you know, by, you know, an extra dinner out with friends is not going to have that impact. So how many companies... Do you think if we as a percentage are up to speed with this, what we're talking about here, the, mm -hmm. the value of strong employee perks, the value that it can bring on retention and attraction, is this still a relatively new concept that companies still come to terms with? Are you finding actually new world of work? Companies are up to speed here, they're coming to us. Where are we with that with that with that company journey? I think it definitely varies by industry. So I think that the tech world is very aware of this. I mean, employee perks have been, you know, in play for a very long time uh, because companies like Google and Facebook have been sure. so public about all of their perks, right? So companies looked at that and said, well, I don't want to do exactly that. How do I, how do I do that either on my budget or in a way? So I think the tech world is very up to speed on this. 
industries like the legal profession, not as much. They tend to go with salary first, but the backlash and the inability to retain people is very real. Manufacturing is another one where we see that like historically, particularly in the US, we see where, you know, you've got a deskless group of workers that typically get different life insurance and different types of insurance. And like, that's all just kind of meh not very interesting anymore. It may still be there, but it's not a differentiator. So when you see that retention problem hitting industry after industry, everyone is quickly going, okay, what we were doing wasn't working. What we were offering isn't working. How do we shift? And that's where you just see like, I mean, the Google searches are are very powerful yeah. because people are like, how do I do this? And it always comes back to employee perks. So there's so, a yeah. massive opportunity here for an HR manager, director listening to this, yes. maybe one of those industries you've mentioned that hasn't quite caught the needle yet. They've gone, you know what? We can be industry right. first. You could take the talent from your biggest exactly competitor right. tomorrow by starting to implement this. That's exactly right. I mean, think about the branding you can do around that because it's one thing to set up a stipend and say, hey, you've got a, a hundred pounds this quarter to be able to use on wellness. Cool. But then you can actually also brand on top of that and be like, give examples of different types of things they could be doing that could be very eye catching, very grabby, yeah. you know, in an industry. And people could use it for that, of course, but they could also have other choice in that process as well. So it's a huge opportunity for companies that if you never offered perks in your industry, oh my gosh, land grab on talent. If you differentiate even with a little bit of money, it's money yeah. you're spending somewhere else in your organization anyways. It's simply repurposing it for a way that's a lot more powerful. That's a great good news story. You've got an employee who never ran and suddenly they ran their first 5K because they've done the, you know, this is a good internal internet story to build. Oh, it's been so powerful. We watched one company we were working with where they had like, hey, fill out this health assessment and we'll give you, you know, I think it was like $300. And the company kept pushing and pushing and pushing and 9% of the team did it. And they're like, eh, don't care. I don't want to fill out this (laughs) assessment, whatever. They put in a stipend for less money. They were only doing $200 a year. So less money. They got off the utilization. But then what happened was one person got a pair of running shoes and this was before the pandemic. And then somebody saw them were like, those are really cool running shoes. And the person was like, well, I'm going to get them too. And suddenly they started a running club and they had a bunch of people in the office join this running club that they started because they're like, oh, this is how we could do wellness. It doesn't mean I have to go to the same gym as everybody else. Like it has these ripple effects where you just see the power of good as people are like, oh, I, wellness doesn't have to mean the gym. It can mean a lot of things. Like it, it's pretty powerful. It's a community and everything else. So we're going to open the vault in a minute. I want to finish with this question, which is what's the future then for employee perks? What's the future for comp? Because you've got to be at the leading edge of this, to, you know, to make sure that you're staying ahead of the curve, ahead of what clients need and all the, the cliches I could bring into this. But right. you know, what, what's the future for employee perks? It's looking at your team from a global standpoint. That's something that we've seen be very powerful. HR leaders in particular, you know, it's so hard when you start crossing country borders, you've got differences in health insurance and mandatory and compulsory things and all of that. But you want to have a consistent feel and support across your team, regardless of country. So looking at this from a global basis, I think is a huge differentiator for companies where they're like, look, we support wellness or family or whatever the thing is. And then allowing for that differentiation, that I think is definitely where the future is headed because so many people have opened up their borders and said, hey, we hire from anywhere where, you know, we're leveraging platforms that allow us to hire from anywhere. So allowing for that, you know, one team, but allowing for localization as well. So I think that's that's very much part of the, the future. 
It's a very, very good point. We've gone to a borderless world to a certain degree and perks that work in the UK will be different to the US, different to totally. India, different to Argentina and so on and so forth. So to be I able mean, to different from that. London to, yeah. you know, Brighton, like For London sure. to like, you know, somewhere else. Like it's just even within your own country, it's different. And Absolutely. so allowing for that is really powerful amazing amazing well listen we're going to open the hr lnd vault three short sharp questions for you opening the lnd vault first one is this if you could give one piece of advice to the world what would it be love each other please there's a lot of divisiveness right now i would love to see people coming together versus you know tearing each other apart Amazing. So I can't argue with that. If you had the opportunity, what advice would you give to a younger you just starting out in this new world of work? Really defining what is important to me, like understanding the, my own personal boundaries and understanding where flexibility is just so key and really designing. You have the ability to design your life. And so really focusing on that. So younger me would have appreciated that when you know she was working 120 hours a week. Yeah, sure. I'll lose that. And also, you know, employee perks can help with that now, right? You can design absolutely. it even more. You can bespoke that. Yeah, absolutely. But last one. What is the one guiding principle or behavior that you've seen in every great leader that you've personally worked with? Empathy. Really leaning in and trying to understand where people are coming from. Doesn't mean that you have to agree with everyone. Doesn't mean that you have to have the same life situation as every person on your team, but having a high degree of empathy so that you can really tailor your organization in a way that can support all kinds of people, regardless of all the different ways people can be different. And so that to me has been really important. Amazing. Well, that links in beautifully as well to your mention earlier, going towards the coaching culture. And, you know, that's, you need that. So fantastic. This has been a a fantastic podcast. I hope this has really brought the world of employee perks to life for everyone. For those are listening, they want to find out more about comp. They want to find out more about where they can link into yourself. Amy, where can I direct them? Sure. So they can check out our company at www.comp, that's C-O-M-P-T dot I-O, or they can reach out to me, amy at comp dot I-O. Happy to chat with folks too. Fantastic. For those listening, if you're not quite sure, you haven't quite caught that, those links will be directly in the show notes. So you can just click to the show notes of this episode on whatever your favorite uh, podcast provider is, be it Apple or be it whatever it might be. Those show notes will be there with a link to comp, that's C-O-M-P-T dot I-O. Or there'll also be a link to Amy Sperling's um, LinkedIn profile and anything else you want to do to connect will be there. So thank you ever so much, Amy, for joining me today on the HLND podcast. And of course, if you're an HR professional, or a learning and development professional, you need support with a global recruitment requirement within those disciplines, then me or myself or any of my wonderful team at JJ Recruitment can help. Just give us a call. You can contact us at www.jgarecruitment.com and that link will also be in the show notes. It just leaves me to say a huge thank you, Amy Sperling. Fantastic guest, fantastic content. Totally in agreement with the way you see the world and the future of employee perks. We need it. I hope you all have digested that information and now go ahead and implement it. Let's make some change. Go and grab those top talented professionals from your local competitors by being different, by being bespoke. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning into the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO of JGA Recruitment Specialist HR Recruiters. If you need any help with the current HR or L&D vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.